Today's episode is sponsored by Root, Restoring Our Own Through Transformation. Root is a collective of concerned Black families, community members, advocates, and interdisciplinary professionals dedicated to decreasing Black maternal and infant mortality in Ohio. Root's mission is to comprehensively restore our collective well-being through collaboration, resource allocation, research, and re-empowerment in order to meet the needs of Black parents and families. If you and your family are planning, pregnant, or in your postpartum period, please reach out to Root at www.rootrj.org. Financial assistance is available. You can also connect with Root at 614-398-1766 or email them at general-info at rootrj.org. Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Today's episode features Destiny Benson. When she found out she was pregnant with her second son, it was a surprise and a transition that took some time to adjust to. Even though her birth plan shifted, having to be induced early due to preeclampsia symptoms, Destiny was still able to have her voice be centered and her son arrived earthside in her hands. Hello, Destiny. Welcome to the show. Hello. It's our doula sister. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Bring your friends to work. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Can you first um, start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family? Um, Okay. Um, So let's see here. Uh, Of course, my name is Destiny. I am mother to two boys, um, wife. I am also a birth worker, (laughs) a um, student midwife, master Reiki practitioner, also a breathwork facilitator. Um, Just a little little bit about me, jewelry designer, (laughs) skincare maker. (laughs) Doing all the things. So many things. Awesome. Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about your pregnancy? Um, so I'll just talk about Ezra, which is my youngest, who will be one on Sunday. I can't believe this year has flown by as quickly as it did. Um, so initially I was in denial about being pregnant. Um, I had missed my uh period and was still just thinking it was maybe running late mind you I'm a person who is very very regular so (laughs) it was serious denial and it wasn't until my sister was like no you need to take a test right now I know you're pregnant like no I better not be (laughs) because and the main thing was I um I had wanted a second child but my thought and my goal was to do like a maybe a two to three year age gap at this point there was a five-year age gap so I you know put it out my mind that I would be having any more children um so that's one thing and then two um I was just nervous about being a mom to more than one child so yeah (laughs) throughout pregnancy um I don't know. I just carried on like normal because there was still part of me that was a little bit in denial. I mean, I was taking care of myself. I'm a birth worker and I'm surrounded by 
birth working sisters so who were staying on top of me so even when I was trying to pretend like I wasn't pregnant or (laughs) you know living in denial they were definitely uh, keeping me on my p's and q's I think about you know for for people who say like they want multiple kids and I I don't think we um, sometimes always verbally express like that hesitation or nervous just about being a parent of more than one child um, just about all the unknowns and just how big of a transition that is. Like, no matter how many children you've had, um, first one, second one, fourth one, I think there's always this sometimes like when the reality sets in of like, oh, a whole nother human is about to enter this family. And am I going to be able to be the best for them? And just all of those questions and thoughts that come up that I think sometimes we just keep like in our heads, but um, I think for many of us, it's it's a it's always a thought that comes up. Just being able to add another member to your family and being able to um, adjust to those transitions can sometimes be scary, for sure. Yes, definitely. Um, I think one of the biggest things that had come to mind having my first child is that one thing that isn't talked about, I think often enough is the part of everybody thinks about raising their child to be like a a good productive adult and to have a good education and to have a good job or career. But a lot of the mental health aspect I think isn't always talked about and as, someone who has you know had some trauma in childhood trying to make sure I didn't pass on that trauma to my child now children and then feeling like at times I wasn't doing a good job even with my first and then to bring a second one in I'm like (laughs) I'm you know doing a not a great job with the first one what do I look like bringing in a second one um how am I going to balance that Um, and, you know, just to be truthful and blunt, I'm not the most disciplined person overall in the sense of, you know, having structure and keeping myself in order, and I'm using air quotes like people can see that, but, um, then to, you know, bring it, be responsible for a child, like you were saying, and be now responsible for two children, (laughs) you know, at the end of the day, I know that they're both happy, they're both healthy, I know that they know that they're loved, they're, you know, fed well, they have a roof over their head, and all those things, but still, um, the mental health aspect is something I'm still always thinking about, making sure that as they grow up, they know that they are heard, you know, that they are loved, that they can express themselves, that they can come and talk to me about anything, you know, both me and their dad, and, just mental health is just a big thing that uh, as an adult, I have been more focused on and especially focused on with my children. So, yeah. <laughs> Pregnancy, birth, becoming a parent, however you become a parent, so many of the things that you know you need to work on or you've been thinking about wanting to work on or that you didn't even know you needed to work on <laughs> come to the surface. <laughs> right. <laughs> come to the surface. Uh, Thinking about that, um, how did you uh, prepare for your birth? And was it something that you were thinking about throughout the pregnancy? 
Um, so with my first child, well, I'll back up from there. I've always been interested in birth work and been interested in holistic care and natural care and doing things as naturally as possible. And when I say natural, I mean just following what is the natural cycle of things and the knowing that our bodies are made to uh, give birth. Um, so with my first child, I did not have a doula. Um, wanted one, but at the time could not find a doula of color. And it's crazy because there's been plenty here in Columbus, but for whatever reason, I couldn't find them at the time. <laughs> so I did not have um, the support I had this time around. So with my first pregnancy, I did kind of have a birth plan. Things um, went well, for the most part, there was some some trauma in the birth space, but um, this time around, I was more diligent in my planning, more um, with having several doulas, because, you know, being a part of uh, Roots specifically, I'm surrounded with not only, you know, birth workers, but my family, and so having um, several of you all to be able to lean on and talk to and um, kind of work through different things. Um, I felt like I was a lot more prepared for this um, pregnancy and labor. Um, definitely had a birth plan uh, right away <laughs> and was really detailed in the different things that I wanted uh, for myself. And the main thing this time around was just feeling supported and empowered to be able to make, you know, informed decisions. Um, about my care, whereas the first time around during labor, I didn't feel like I was given the option for informed decisions. It was, there was a point in my labor where it was, you either do this or you do that. And there was no time given to explain why those were my only options, what the pros and cons were. And being, when you're in the midst of labor, even if you've done any type of training as a birth worker, that's a lot to have to try to process on your own. And you don't have someone there to kind of help pause and go through all those different things. Um, for my first pregnancy, my, my mother was present and I love her. She was a great support, but all of her pregnancies were surgical births. And so she did not know the full process of what labor looks like, how to support labor. Um, and my partner at the time, now husband, he um, he's older, he has other children, but it's, it had been a huge amount of time since he had any children and um, the support you know, 20 years ago that you gave to your partner looks different than the support you give now. Um, so, you know, glad they were present, but they weren't trained the way a doula would be trained. So, um, um, so this time around, um, my goal uh, was to, once again, try to have a unmedicated birth. That was the plan. Um, even I had at one point talked about a home birth, but there, I knew I still had some fears around it. So I wasn't tied to it. My main thing, like I was saying, is just having the empowerment and being able to really advocate for myself and to be able to make informed decisions. Because I also understand that our ideas and our goals change depending on, you know, 
how your health is, how baby's health is and all that kind of stuff. So being flexible and that's exactly what happened because with child number one, he was, you know, I was 41 in four days when I went into spontaneous labor. And then with child number two, I was induced exactly at 37 weeks. And that was definitely not the plan. It was definitely upsetting and frustrating. Um, And of course, yes, I'm sure there's some things I probably could have done differently, but, you know, stuff also just happens because it's kind of how it was. I had like a little fall that week and blood pressure shot up and then other numbers uh, started showing potential signs of preeclampsia. And so, um, you know, you got to roll with the punches. And so how did your actual birth experience go starting from the point that you learned you were um, going to have to have an induction? So when I found out that I was going to have an induction, I had just um, brought my son to school um, because every day I would drop him off at school and I would actually stay in the class for a while. So I had got the phone call while I was still um, there. And I tell you, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was literally, I sat on the floor in the hallway <laughs> at his school and bought like a baby um, because it just, that just wasn't my plan to have to be induced. And then so much fear um, you know, came up because I understand that how an induction, different things within inductions can cause a domino effect of um, potential harm to you, your baby, or, you know, having to have a surgical birth. And so, of course, all those things initially popped up. But once again, having the support of my doula sisters to kind (laughs) of talk me through it and off the ledge was um, absolutely amazing. Um, They initially, the day I got the phone call, they wanted me to come in that day. And I think I might've been a couple, two, three days shy of 37 weeks. And so I was like, you know, based, I tried to have some type of control. So my control was based on the numbers. Can I at least wait until I'm exactly 37 weeks? So that was my little piece of control in regards to the induction, um, which also gave me a few extra days to wrap my mind around, you know, having the induction and um, being able to talk through what induction looks like. Once again, being a birth worker, when you're in the midst of, pregnancy and labor and all those different things you might know it all supporting someone else but when you're in the midst of it it's it's so important to have um, that additional support to help recenter you (laughs) um so uh day of induction um we did we my goal was low and slow with whatever we did so we did um the, I forget the name of the medication and Foley catheter to try to help open and soften cervix. So um, things were rolling pretty nicely. Um, We had a bomb playlist uh, by yours truly, Laurel. Um, So we had everything going from NDIRE to Megan Thee Stallion (laughs) to work baby out and uh, labor at first was good and then eventually we had to do Pitocin and my first time around I think if I had Pitocin I I think I had 
by then I had already had an epidural. So this time around, I had Pitocin with no epidural initially. And so those Pitocin contractions are no joke. They were hitting me hard. They were super, super intense. Even at some point coming um, like back to back, three in a row. And uh, I tried to last as long as I could without an epidural. And, and we had to do a lot of work to get baby into a good position, you know, doing hands and knees and on my side and back to hands and knees and just literally going in circles to try to get him in the right position. And all of that was super exhausting. And I remember um, at one point I was just like, cause I was kind of stuck, I think at five centimeters it was for a little while. And I was getting so frustrated uh, because we had been doing the work. It wasn't like we just were sitting there waiting for stuff to happen. And there was part of me that was kind of wanting to give up because of the intense contractions and just how, not even how long it was taking, but, you know, just feeling like I was stuck or whatever. Um, so I got one type of medication that kind of dulled the pain that didn't really last long because then those Pitocin contractions started hitting again. And I was like, okay, I think I definitely need this epidural so that I can relax and reset because it was so intense. And Laurel stayed in the room with me while I got my epidural and this will forever be hilarious because like I was saying they they started coming back to back those contractions and they were so so intense I don't remember contractions being this intense with my first I literally grabbed Laurel by her collar and picked her up off the floor <laughs> because I was so it was just that much pain plus the uh anesthesiologist was doing whatever he was doing to my back but he wasn't talking to me and telling me what was happening so I was like also freaking out like well I'm not ready and he keeps touching me and I don't know what's happening <laughs> but just just thinking about the fact of grabbing her up <laughs> it's still so hilarious and now she was able to maintain a straight face and still you know gently talk to me and help you know call me as much as possible but yeah her uh and Jessica was present present for my birth and I know Jessica definitely walked away with some bruises from me gripping her arms uh through some of those contractions it was um thinking back on it quite hilarious but at the time the pain was like no other um and so I got to relax for a little bit and I had a feeling that once I got my epidural it wouldn't be long after that I delivered and I think it was maybe about an hour and a half or so and I was, you know, 10 centimeters. I knew I didn't want to uh, deliver on my back, which I did with my first, um, because my first, I wasn't really given a choice to be in any other position. So I got on my hands and knees and, you know, pushed and was able to catch my baby, bring him to my chest, turn back over. And the, they were pretty shocked. The doctor, well, the midwife was pretty shocked because I had an epidural at that point. I was moving like it was nothing because I was so determined to at least, you know, have this part be, have this, um, have the option of birthing in a different position, catching my baby and all that kind of stuff. I was super determined. I'm like, a lot of things may not have gone as planned, but this is one thing that <laughs> is going to happen. Uh, so that is still super awesome and amazing to me that I was able to do that. I just want to affirm 
that yes, she did grab me by my collar and picked me at least a couple inches up off the ground. (laughs) (laughs) And it took everything in me to be like, don't laugh because this is, this is serious. (laughs) (laughs) But it's one of my favorite fallback memories. Um, from that experience for sure. Um, but what I, I was thinking about too um, from you sharing is, uh, you know, like you said, the, you were determined, like the parts, you know, we tell clients sometimes, I think when they're making their birth plans, like, you know, plans change, duh, we all know that. But finding the parts that are like your hard nose, like this is, this is what I need for this birth, no matter what, like, this is what needs to happen for me. Um, and that you're allowed to like have those things. Um, and again, they may have some like tweaks to them, but I, I do think it's important when people are, are creating their birth plans, thinking about like, you know, what's the most important thing for you and kind of finding those pieces that you can um, try to have as much control as baby and body allow. Um, I know you mentioned that Jessica was present um, and for our listeners, Jessica is the executive director um, or actual CEO of group and also co-founder. So was it part of your plan to have two doulas for your birth? There was, I think because it was a, you know, a fellow doula, it was an all hands on deck situation. So I initially had one person that I had asked and then eventually asked Laurel to be my second. So I I did plan for two. Um, However, Jessica, I've known Jessica for a really long time. I sat on uh, the board of a local co-op with her some years before Root was started. And she also assisted in some of my um, my journey in becoming a birth worker so I think it was also like a big sis she she wanted to be present and I was you know of course happy to have her present as well so that's how kind of how that came about and I think it also sheds a light too on the beauty um power and just um experience that you get you know, when you're working in a collective and, you know, specifically talking about our collective, like the family we all are as doula sisters, Um, you know, while many of us might be the lead doula for a family, we have, we do lean on each other for support. Um, And there's always that extra layer of support. So even though you may think you only got one doula, you actually have (laughs) about eight other people who are chiming in about like, well, give this suggestion or, you know, you know, life happens too. Sometimes your doula might have something that comes up for them or um, they might be at another birth. So, and you have, then you have those on-call people and those backups that are there to support you. So there's just many layers of support that you get. Um, when you're working, when you're, when you're a part of the, the root family um, and all of us come with our own experiences. I know like thinking about your, your birth specifically, um, Amber being the, was the first lead um, and y'all, Amber's the cook of the group. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, she yes, was able she to- <laughs> 
brought some food during labor. Whether or not I was supposed to be eating is none of y'all's business, but that rice pilaf was delicious. I was talking to her about that a couple of days ago. Like, I think I need some more of that rice pilaf. <laughs> you know, we got fed. Um, and that's also a part of the support. So, you know, I'm saying this, say all of us bring our own layers of experiences and and things that we offer that are all a part of the full care that you get. Um, so just like in you describing that, like you're never, there's never just one person looking out for you. Um, mm-hmm. That might be the one person you're mainly talking to, but always know there's like eight of us, like, what's up? What's right. going on? The whole tribe. <laughs> right. <laughs> for real. You were also talking about some of your fears that you had leading in, especially once you realized there was an induction that would be happening. Um, I know you said you also leaned into for your doulas for support through that, but once you actually got in the hospital um, and with your own prior knowledge as a birth worker, um, how did you really, what, what really helped you get through those fears and, and be able to move forward to the birth that you want? Being able, well, one, realizing that although, yes, I was showing signs of preeclampsia, I still had some control. It wasn't an emergent situation. So although an induction was done to ensure my safety, baby safety, it wasn't an emergent situation. And so um, knowing that and then also just kind of going back to some of the thinking about it in a logical or analytical sense and breaking it down that way for me was helpful to know that, okay, these are my options. It doesn't have to just jump straight into Pitocin. It doesn't have to be, you know, you being bed bound. There's still ways to maneuver around this induction and have it be, create the space that you want. And so that's one thing that I absolutely, was happy about and enjoyed is that even though it was a hospital birth and even though I did have to be on monitors and have all these wires going everywhere, I was still able to have some freedom and some movement. So moving and dancing around the room, getting up and getting up to use the bathroom. And I don't know why, I swear every 20 minutes I was going to the restroom and it wasn't a little bit, it was a lot. but, you know, still having that flexibility to be able to maneuver um, and just kind of tapping in, I guess, into my birth worker mind of what would I tell one of my other clients? And I think even Laurel may have told me this, too, to kind of help ease me. Like, what would you talk, tell one of your clients right now? Okay, now apply that to yourself. And I was like, oh, yes, ma'am. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> As a birth worker, yo, it's it's when you in it, it's hard to remember the basics. You be all, you just be in your own birth, you you forget. <laughs> so thinking about um your postpartum, uh, how was postpartum for you? And I and I really wanna um, I'm reflecting. I'm thinking in my head that like you know, you had um, baby boy in January, which was like a couple of months right before we went into COVID lockdown. So how has postpartum, yeah, tell us about your postpartum. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, one thing is this time around with postpartum, we uh, decided that we were going to basically already put ourselves on lockdown with baby because our first child was born in September, which is still kind of warm. And also I just, 
thinking about thinking about having Ishan and how quickly people visited both the hospital and the house it was out of pocket and so I knew this time around that I initially I had told folks no visitors at all for as long as I tell y'all but then I did kind of give in a little bit and was like okay y'all have this amount of time while I'm at the hospital to come because I knew that being at the hospital, I could kind of limit the amount of time people stay without overstaying and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I was like, okay, you guys can come visit at the hospital. Of course, you know, the usual don't come if you're sick or coughing or you show any signs of any type of illness because we are in the middle of flu season. And then um, I knew once we got to the house, we were going to lock it down, which was perfect because although the whole pandemic and lockdown stuff didn't start till March. COVID had already been, you know, in the States in January, potentially even December. Um, so we were right on step with having our own mini lockdown. And um, my first postpartum experience was, it wasn't horrible. I won't say that it, it just... It could have been better, I won't complain. But this time around throughout pregnancy and postpartum, um, my uh, husband's name is Ed, uh, he really went above and beyond with um, caring for me. And um, during the postpartum period, we uh, he made breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I stayed, I was able to stay in the bed. I, I maybe came downstairs once a day just because I'm simply hard-headed. But for the most part, you know, I was able to stay upstairs um, close to the bathroom and just have, just focus on me and baby. And that was it. And, you know, my mom kept my oldest for, I think about a week. Um, a few days before I actually um, went in for the induction and I, I think it was like a week or a week and a half or so. So um, I had a lot of great support and I think that was super helpful in my recovery uh, this time around and not having to worry and then work um, being with Roots. So the first time, so when I had Ishan, finances were not the greatest. Um, you know, there was some fears or, you know, some instability around finances at that point. But this time around working with Root, one thing that they have done or said that they would do and did is, you know, being a birth working organization, supporting their their staff members who <laughs> have babies. And so I was able to have, I think it was 12 weeks of um, maternity leave that was a portion of it was paid um, throughout that entire 12 weeks there was no oh cut off and being able to speak up if I felt like I needed more time off and being able to gently come back into work and it was also somewhat of a blessing that there was this lockdown because I was able to ease back into work from home and being able to have this year this first year with my son being with him not having I mean I didn't put my first child in daycare either but just not having to have have to worry about that being a possibility because just for me personally I you know I just chose have chosen not to put my children in daycare 
and not missing anything any of the first this year has been awesome I think the only you know somewhat sucky part is just because of COVID I haven't been able to surround myself with friends and family and so there have been some firsts that my friends and family have missed and not being able to squish up on my little one um but we've done plenty of zoom and facetimes and stuff like that and you know i still feel super supported by both roots and my close family and friends it's been uh definitely a, a total day and night um experience from my first to this one so yeah thank you for sharing your story Thank Is you there for having me. Anything else you want to share with listeners? Resources, advice, anything else from your birth? Yeah, anything you want to leave them with? Uh, I would just say that if you are thinking about having a baby, interested, or you are currently pregnant postpartum, get a doula. So even if you're listening, you're not in Columbus and you can't connect with root wherever you're at get a doula I think every single birthing person should have the support of a doula it's it's super important and beneficial and just having someone knowing that they are there specifically on your side to root root and cheer you on throughout the entire process um, and help you learn and grow as you're you know going through this journey even if it's your 10th time every time is different and so get a doula (laughs) that's my main thing that's what I want to tell folks agreed I second that we third that all of that Absolutely. And then if you're in Columbus in about three years, once I have my CPM, holler at me, okay? Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story with Thanks us. Thanks for listening to Birth Stories in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Root, restoring our own through transformation. Root is a collective of concerned Black families, community members, advocates, and interdisciplinary professionals dedicated to decreasing Black maternal and infant mortality in Ohio. Root's mission is to comprehensively restore our collective well-being through collaboration, resource allocation, research, and re-empowerment in order to meet the needs of Black parents and families. If you and your family are planning, pregnant, or in your postpartum period, please reach out to Root at www.rootrj.org. Financial assistance is available. You can also connect with Root at 614-398-1766 or email them at general-info at rootrj.org.